Andy, my dude, have you heard of the magical website builder known as Squarespace? Ugh, not another Squarespace ad. I feel like every podcast is sponsored by them. <laughs> hey, 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 don't knock it till you try it. Yes, okay, it is overhyped. But actually, it lives up to the hype. Squarespace is like a website fairy godmother. With a click of a button, your site transforms into a beautiful masterpiece. A website fairy godmother? That sounds interesting. What makes it so magical? Well, for starters, those slick templates make anyone look like a professional web designer. Pick one, customize the colors and fonts to match your brand, and voila. Plus, the drag-and-drop fluid engine is so easy, your grandma could build a site on Squarespace. Well, she did knit me a lovely scarf last Christmas. Maybe website design is next. Exactly. And when you're ready to sell your Nana's handmade scarves online, Squarespace has built-in e-commerce. Add a store with one click. Get flexible payment options. Then watch those sales roll in. And when she wants to teach others her steezy scarf skills, Squarespace's new courses feature is just the ticket. Nana can set up her curriculum and enrollments and payments in a snap and become the next e-knitting influencer. Wow, you really sold me with the grandma angle. Sign me up for that free try. Just go to thenextreel.com slash Squarespace and transform your site into a beautiful Squarespace masterpiece. Well, thanks, Pete. Even though it's overhyped, Squarespace actually sounds perfect for Nana's site's needs. Appreciate the warning on the ads, though. I'll brace myself next time I listen to a podcast. Anytime. Let me know if you need any help getting that site up and running. Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to support our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. So we're talking about Captain America 2, Death Too Soon, right? The 1979 television film? <laughs> You've just out-pop-cultured me. Coming up on the drop zone, Cap. You do anything fun Saturday night? Well, all the guys in my barbershop quartet are dead, so... No, not really. You know, if you ask Kristen out from statistics, she'd probably say yes. That's why I don't ask. Too shy or too scared? Too busy! Is he wearing a parachute? 
No. No, he wasn't. They joined S.H.I.E.L.D. to protect people. Captain. To build a better world? Sometimes means tearing the old one down. And that makes enemies. Are you ready for the world to see you as you really are? Look out the window. You know how the game works. Disorder, war. All it takes is one step. We're gonna neutralize a lot of threats before they even happen. Thought the punishment usually came after the crime. S.H.I.E.L.D. takes the world as it is, not as we'd like it to be. This isn't freedom. This is fear. You need to keep both eyes open. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Your work has been a gift to mankind. You've shaped the century. But I need you to do it one more time. Everybody. Welcome to the Next Real Film Board. It's a special, very special episode of VSE. One of us wow. is going to have a special moment after prom. <laughs> I'm Pete Wright, and uh, we also have uh, <laughs> the lovely Andy Nelson. Hey! Hi, Andy! Howdy-do! <laughs> and we have the, uh, the super talented uh, Steve Sarmento. Hey, good evening, guys. How you doing? Good evening, Steve. Uh, we are. We, it's just the three of us right now. There is a chance uh, that the uh, the fine and talented actor Chad Stoops is going to be joining us uh, very shortly. But we're we're just starting. Yep. And uh, he'll be jumping in right in the middle. Uh, but for now, we're going to be talking about uh, Captain America Two, <laughs> Death <laughs> Two. <laughs> You're not talking about what is this movie called? Captain <laughs> America: The Winter Soldier. It's the next Captain America movie, and we're a little bit late on it. We're a couple of weeks late, and and I, I don't know. In the in the spirit of of uh, full disclosure, we were going to talk about Transcendence tonight, and we may have mentioned that in the. I don't know if we've ever mentioned that in the past, but we're not talking about Transcendence because, uh, according to uh, the uh, the those who keep the records, that movie sucks. <laughs> I have not seen it. Have you guys seen it? I haven't seen it yet. Steve, you, no, you, you haven't no, seen it? I, no, I wasn't going to. I mean, it's just been torn apart in the reviews. So I, no, I've got other things to do with my time. I think, that, I think that's, uh, that's speaking kindly. Um, it's, it's not good. And, and so we may, you know, we'll probably see it and may mention it at some point in the future. But we're not talking about that tonight. We're talking about Captain America, the Winter Soldier, uh, the, uh, the second in the uh, Captain America line of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, the, what is it, the third of just having Captain America in movies? The third or fourth that we've seen him in uh, of the nine Marvel movies. Well, it's the second of his movies. He was in the Avengers, and he's got a cameo in Thor 2. That's right. It was Thor 2, so we've seen him, uh, we've seen him f- four times, the Captain. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what do you guys think of this uh, of this film? Just uh, as I know, we have a lot to talk about, just in terms of what they are doing with this film, what this film represents, I should say. Uh, but what do you think of the film as a standalone unit? Well, I mean, I, I enjoy it. You know, it's interesting seeing these standalone units coming after the Avengers when we see 
all of these people in the world together and then we have their individual stories again and it's like well like in iron man 3 why didn't so and so come and help him stop uh the bad guy there why doesn't captain america get iron man to come in and help him in this situation it, you know those questions i guess can come up in your heads and you just i don't know i guess in the in the the scheme of being somebody who knows how comic books work I, I think you just kind of remember, okay, Captain America had his whole line of comic books. The Avengers had their whole line of comic books. Iron Man had his. And so, you know, they all are in the same universe, but they're not just partners all the time. It, you know, and watching Captain America, I, I think this one I actually found easier to watch than Iron Man 3. I think it was, as a whole, it it felt like it worked better uh, as a follow-up to Avengers, Iron Man three. I mean, I liked what he, you know, the kind of the psychological issues that uh, Iron Man uh, Tony Stark was going through after the Avengers. But this one, I just liked it. It it worked really well on its own because it's dealing with very specific issues that happened in the first Captain America film. Yeah, I I, I agree with you. I and I would I, I just add to that. I mean, I think you 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 hit it when comparing it to the latest Iron Man film. And while I I really loved uh, you know what Robert Downey Jr. did, the way he played his PTSD in that film, mm-hmm. um, I thought was really fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yay trauma. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I, I thought he, I thought it fit the the theme of the film. Uh, I thought uh, this Captain America was uh, less exciting, but vastly more compelling than Iron Man three. Yeah, I I mean I'm not sure if I'd say it was less exciting. I mean, if there's, I mean, it had some pretty good, uh, some pretty big scenes in it. But um, gosh, I'm. I'm Thinking back to Iron Man 3, it's making me realize how uh, maybe forgettable that film was because not a whole lot is actually sticking out in my head other than, like, the 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 end and the plane crash scene. Oh, I, yeah, I think his his house falling into the ocean was an extremely oh, sure, intense yeah. sequence. I thought that was very exciting. Well, and that, that's not what we're talking about, but I get I get your point, and um, I, I, I hijacked the thing. Uh, Steve, what did you think? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know what? I, I, I did enjoy this one. The, the first Captain America film, I, I wasn't that excited about it. It did some fun things, uh, but it, it, it felt, I don't want to say formulaic. It, it was just, you know, it felt really like we need to set up the background for this character. And now that we've got that established, to me, they came up with a, a really interesting story to, to, to put him through, uh, you know, going to, you know, Iron Man 3 and what he's dealing with. You know, we still have Captain America, a man out of time and still trying to find his place. And early on in the film, it really set up some of the, the themes uh, for the for the film. I saw this with my, my oldest daughter. We had a, a conversation very, very briefly in hushed tones after one of the opening scenes where uh Captain America's having a conversation with with Nick Fury, and the topic of secrets and trust kept coming up a lot in that conversation. And I, we leaned over, and she's like, "I think it's going to be a lot about secrets and, and trust." I said, "You know what? Let's." I Who's bet keeping it is. score? Somebody write yes. that down. That's right. There's our exposition right there. Boom. That's and it it did some really interesting things for the for the character and there, you know in terms of the Marvel universe, there were lots of things going on, but just in terms of a standalone story. And and the the plot and where things went for this character, I was really 
I don't know, I was excited. I was thrilled. Uh, there, there are some some flaws. I think anytime you get into one of these sort of thriller espionage type films of there's something secret hidden trying to be discovered and who's playing which side, there's always I find if there's some threads that if you pull on them too hard, some things start to fall apart. Uh, so you you just but this movie it wasn't until you know I think probably a good. 18 hours afterward that I started thinking about some of these things going, that, wait, how does this come together? But as I was in the theater, to quote Pete, I paid for my full seat, but I only used the edge of it. (laughs) (laughs) And you're welcome. He loves it when you quote him saying that. And so then I went back to the theater and I demanded half of my money back because I didn't use it for a seat. <laughs> You're taking too f- a bridge too far, Steve. Okay. Uh, okay. You know, I. You know, I'm with you. I. I think what uh, the stuff that's going on in this film that's most interesting is the fact that they are that that they're doing their best to change to to play up genre uh, in uh, you know in this film in a, in a kind of an interesting way and I you know I've been trying to figure out Kevin Feig Feige Andy Feig Feige is it isn't it Feige Feige yeah I think it's Feige okay so Kevin Feige is the uh, he's the head of the Marvel. Um, of essentially the doyen of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And uh, from what I understand, uh, he and his team uh, are in charge of putting all the pieces together that unite all of these, uh, the so far nine movies and others planned. And they all come around. These all these individual films uh, revolve around the tent poles. The Avengers, Avengers: Age of Ultron. Um, you know, these are the films that tie the individual. They're sort of the planets, and the others sort of orbit around them. And on that point, Andy, your point I think was interesting. And in, in just kind of reading up on this, one of the things that uh, that I uh, read here is that, uh, in fact, they do have a plan at some point to explain. Where Iron Man was when you know Shield is falling, right? Mm. Um, you know they they have a plan to to explain that probably in Age of Ultron, but these things are uh, are going to be tied up. These loose ends are going to be tied up. We just may have to wait until you know twenty twenty to see it. <laughs> Isn't that crazy ironic that I would Jeez. say that? Hey, wait a minute, hey, Chad, there he hey. is. I love to eavesdrop. I love to come in this way. Hey, Chad, Chad Stoops. Uh, well, luckily you've already been introduced, so tell us what uh, – you weren't here for it. Uh, no. Tell us what uh, what you thought of this movie. You know what? It was it was definitely worth the, the time and the money spent. It's like, what is it, two hours, two and a half days long or something? <laughs> something like that. Um, but it was it was totally worth it. I loved – I um, now, it is a superhero movie that is – I think you got to – you know, my uncle went and saw it. And he never saw the first one even, and he enjoyed it. But, he, you know, it's, it's definitely one where you, I think you've got to see the first one to kind of understand, you know, Bucky and, and all the other kind of little plot, you know, things that they're using in, to make the story move along a little bit more. You don't quite understand the relationship if you're not seeing the first one. But other than that, I, th- I just thought it was, it was good. I, I don't know why it was called... I don't. I didn't feel like there was enough of the Winter Soldier in that to make it called the Winter Soldier. I think uh, they could have had more of the Winter Soldier in it. Um, it felt like he was sort of like a side thing that was in it, but it really wasn't about him. Um, or it didn't involve him enough, at least in my opinion. Um, 
but I, I felt like it was good. It was it was entertaining. I, where are we? I feel like uh, no, you just. <laughs> I mean, we just we're, we just started. You're doing you're doing fine. Am I doing fine, or is this stuff you guys already talked about? Yeah, yeah. No, whatever. in fact, you brought up the you you brought up the Winter Soldier, and I think that you know, in, in terms of a titular character, uh, he he sure didn't seem like a titular asset. He wasn't, and I felt really bad. He he was more like a little. He, you know what he felt like? He felt like the gimp. He, I looked at him <laughs> from Pulp Fiction. And just, I was waiting for him to come out of a box and then just whip him and put him back in there. I was like, Robert Redford just like whips him around and slaps his face. I was like, this guy could kill you, Robert Redford, probably in real life. And it just he just slaps his little face and then they go on with the movie. But... Uh, he didn't seem like he was in it enough. Like, the uh, you know I I think that was interesting. What's your take on that, guys? Because I I think that's there there is some ex, there is some explaining to be done. Uh, I I think about uh, about the title of the film. I talked to a friend of mine who's a huge Captain America fan because that was a big complaint of mine. I'm like, why is it called this? I mean, he's he's obviously a character in the film, but he's not like so important that he the whole plot hinges on him. And it just it seemed a little weak to me. Um, and he said, well, he's going to come into play uh, in a major way in the third film. I'm like, well, that's great. But why not call the third film the winter soldier why why use that title up on this one so i don't know i i had a problem with that although i will say i i like the i like where they're going with that and that's the arc that i'm enjoying in this captain america series i just rewatched the first one last night watched this one and uh i'm i'm looking forward to seeing the the third one to see how this plays out and the fact that that um what's his name um sebastian stan Sebastian Stan has signed on to be in nine Marvel films. Right. Right. So uh, compared to Chris like... Evans, six. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so we, we know when he's going to, uh, when he's going to, going to fall out of, uh, out right. of the helmet. We'll just fall right out of the helmet. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I think that will end up being kind of the most interesting transition probably in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, according to the comics, um, as I understand it. And I'm certainly not as well-read as your friend, uh, but as I understand it, um, the, uh, the, the, the helmet switches heads. And uh, at, at some point, we, this, this will likely be the line uh, where we lose... The uh, a superhero in film, really? Wow. That's that's my that's my understanding. You heard it. <laughs> you heard ah. it here first, uh, because that's that's uh, apparently the line that that uh, Bucky becomes uh, Captain America too. He picks up the mantle and as uh, you know, as a uh, as they, an faith. And so, does thing, Chris yeah. Evans become um, go back to Fantastic Four? <laughs> Johnny Storm. He was the best Johnny Storm. Johnny Storm. Uh, he, he, yeah, no, I, I think he's does not. But uh, he, because he'll be done with with this this round, I'll bet I'll bet he moves on. Uh, and so we've got Sebastian Stan kind of picking up the mantle, probably around what twenty seventeen, twenty twenty, and we'll get that kind of the uh, a new. Uh, that'll be what phase four. This is this is what I've been trying to wrap my heads around, Steve. I'm sure you know more about this than I do. Right? That that the the cinematic universe that they are creating there was phase one, which was the initial mm-hmm. introduction of these characters, and and they all uh, sort of they hit 
uh, the Avengers, and that was kind of the tentpole, the end of Phase 1, the beginning of Phase 2. Correct. Um, and Phase 3 comes uh, at the close of Age of Ultron. That's, yes. That's my understanding. And then, and then what? Well, and then the, the rumors, I guess, or speculation that is out there is that after, or that sometime in Phase 3 is when we will get a Hulk standalone film. With they, Mark Ruffalo. Yes. So that now there's all kinds of, you know, speculation, which storyline is it going to be? And, all, you know, given these characters. So, of course, there's always all these ideas being thrown around. But I guess, you know, well, recently, I guess, you know, Marvel came out and said they've got everything planned out through 2028. I think it they, they've stated mm-hmm. so that there's, you know, these phases. And, you know, I know we we know for certain that we've got, you know, Avengers Age Voltron. We've got Ant-Man coming right uh is that next next summer i believe we have guardians of the galaxy coming later this summer so we've got a few you know things to sort of see how we're we're weaving all these pieces together uh but that's that's what i know about phase three is that that's the point at which supposedly that we'll get hulk as in a standalone film right. so uh, but as far as introduction of other characters i mean with you know, with with Bucky uh, being introduced in this film, you know, the question of the number of films he's contracted for, I mean, is this a character that just like, you know, Black Widow is going to be appearing in, in not only like the big Avengers film, but is going to have parts in, you know, is he going to be showing up in an Iron Man film? Is he going to be showing up in a Thor film? So there's, you know, we don't know what storylines they're going into. So I've heard speculation that they're going to follow along with the, you know, Bucky taking on the mantle of Captain America. And that explains the, the length of the, the, the contract. You know, I, with all of these things, there's always so much speculation. There's so much back catalog of stories that they can draw from. I just, you know, am continually impressed that they're able to create films that not only, as far as I can tell, appease the, the diehard, you know, comic book fans, but are still accessible to the general public that, that don't have the background and to be able to balance those pieces together to have a film that you can come into without having seen the previous Captain America film and enjoy it for all that it's worth. And people that have that rich, deep, you know, background in the Marvel universe, you know, are just enjoying these films just as much. Now, the question I have is, do you think they're going to go the route of Secret Wars? Do you guys know Secret Wars? Okay, well, now you got to refresh us on that. Okay, so the big thing, the big uh, thing with the end of Avengers, and everybody was watching the end, and they're like, oh, I know what that weird guy is. That was supposed to be the, I mean, what sets off. I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, sorry, what were you going to say? No, 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 I, 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 you go. No, really. Oh, okay. You, (laughs) sir. You, you go. Uh, Well, basically, that's supposed to set off Secret Wars, where it collects all of the supervillains and all of the superheroes from Marvel. Sticks them on a planet, and they have a war. They we have a war together, and that's what the end of that uh, Avengers. That character was, I think, it was it Galactica or was a uh, the Collector? Was it the Collector? Right. No, not. But I thought it was not, not that collect. Not that he's at the end of Thor. You're that was uh, the tie the end of the into Avengers. right. The the tie the to Guardians of the Galaxy. Who's the oh. guy at the end of the Avengers? Yeah. Oh 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 Avengers. oh! Right right right! Up on the, um, the meteor, the right. standing in space guy. That would be Thanos, and yeah, that's yeah. again where where we saw you know again now we're we're getting out into outer space. That's where we're getting back to Thor, Guardians of the Galaxy, and again okay. you know it's a character that was introduced briefly, and again it's you know to to what end? Where are we going to go? Do we do we see a connection at the end of Thor? Yeah, we have the Collector, and there's there's always these little 
teases and again never enough to say oh it's clear what storyline they're going to because it's been you know we've had how many films since the avengers and and as far as we can tell nothing related to thanos or any storyline involving him that we know of clearly identified so i just put my trust in in the 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 brain trust over there at, at marvel and say they're gonna they're gonna pull this all together the beyonder um, the Beyonder, yes. That's what I was thinking. So was yeah. he the Beyonder? So it's Th- it's Thanos. Oh, it is Thanos. Okay, because everybody thought Thanos was and Thanos Thanos is actually going to play into uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, okay, okay, okay. okay. So that's all going to link. So what about Spider? Because supposedly Spider-Man is supposed to be an Avenger. The problem, yeah. the problem is that different studios control them, and so that's why. Thus far, and likely in the future, Spider-Man is not going to be a part of the Marvel Universe. And I guess that this was addressed recently because there was speculation of, oh, at the end of Amazing Spider-Man 2, there's some tie into the Marvel Universe, and apparently it's, I guess, it's not a... It's not a, you know, post-credits tease. It's, I guess there's an extended trailer or something that's going to be at the end of the credits. But what I read, I'd have to find the article but i guess between sony and and marvel they've both basically said spider-man will become part of the avengers when we've run out of all other storylines oh so that it's it's basically it's not going to happen well and it was another it was an issue with um uh it it was uh, the director of amazing spider-man 2 um mark webb right Mm. Uh, i thought that this was a deal uh, to get mark webb uh, over to uh, to direct something for Marvel because he'd been tied into Sony and so there was like some sort of a cross promotional agreement. That's what the end teaser right. sting is supposed yeah. to be. It's a mm-hmm. it was a way to get Mark Webb to direct you know to jump out of contract for a bit to direct something yeah. for Marvel. So oh, wow. okay. uh, so it's a mess. It's a hot mess and it's kind of oh, sad. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, but uh, yeah. And the, the other the other crossover is now we've got. Um, it, We've got, you know, X-Men, Days yeah. of Future Past coming, and there's characters that are, that have been presented in the in the teasers and trailers for that film that are clearly going to be in the Marvel universe. But they based will on, have different powers. Based or, or, on what we're seeing in yeah. sort of our post, you know, our mid-credits, you know, little Easter egg or whatever. We've got Scarlet Witch there. We've got a Scarlet Witch, you know, there's and, yeah and quicksilver and, and quicksilver yeah so again it's different studios with apparently you know wow. I, it's as i said there's a lot of people that have written about all this and they're poking holes and teasing out threads and you know it, at that point i say well it's great to speculate why don't we just wait till the film comes out and we'll we'll judge it on the merits of what what they can put up on the big screen for us to me i always like to look at the film on its own and say okay if i if i Disconnect it from everything else because there are lots of things that happen here that, you know, even tie into Marvel Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., you know, the episodes that air after that, and it sets up pieces. But, you know, for me, what I really enjoyed about this is is that standalone nature of looking at this as this, you know, Captain America, there's a big mystery, there's something going on within S.H.I.E.L.D., he's got to figure it out, and it, it, to me, going back to, you know, where's Iron Man at this point? To me, because S.H.I.E.L.D. becomes, um, you know, I don't know, at, at risk or there's something going on within S.H.I.E.L.D., to me it makes sense that they would have been able to, that someone on the inside would have been able to basically shut down 
you know, any communication with any of the Avengers, you know, Tony Stark or whatever, to, to call into question. Because clearly what's going on is, you know, Nick Fury is on the run. Captain America is on the run. There's a force within S.H.I.E.L.D. that's been able to compromise the integrity of the organization. So to me, I took that as reason enough to say, okay, we've, we've got to isolate Captain America. And S.H.I.E.L.D. has been able to rally its forces to present this other front to the world while inside it's, it's trying to, to clear out this problem with you know Nick Fury and Captain America that's preventing that's a possible threat to their grand scheme and to me I thought that's all I needed was you know okay the organizations at war with itself internally but on the public face it's going to say hey we're dealing with this and you know that was enough for me I like hearing that. I, you know, I'm with you. I, I felt like the story was really quite nice. I, you know, laid out quite well. And, and, you know, I said compelling earlier. I was, I was really, uh, I was in it. Um, and it's, you know, it's not a, a, a short film, you know, uh, but it, uh, uh, I, I found, I didn't find myself wavering. Uh, I thought it was, uh, I, I thought the, the intrigue was woven just right. I like seeing, um, less of the captain, uh, in the uniform. Uh, I, I liked that he spent a lot of his time, although a little bit awkward wandering around in his street clothes with that shield on his back. Um, <laughs> I, I like seeing him, you know, process and uh, kind of uh, approach the world. Uh, it, it made it, uh, to me, it addressed this issue of integration. Like, you know, how well is this guy, uh, you know, catching up to his time so that eventually that's not a joke we can play anymore. Let's just, let's just have a, a solid character and, and watch him catch up and i think this movie was was a lot of that for me um and i thought evans uh, chris evans did a great job at at being that catch-up guy uh, and solving the crime so so what i found really interesting and unexpected in this was the character of black widow and you know captain goes on a specific journey where he's got a question you know who he can trust and you know who's 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 loyal to him, who's loyal to Shield, what's going. On. But the introducing the character of the Black Widow, who has always had a bit of a shadowy past, and to me, her character went on a very interesting journey as well, because uh, you know at certain points it's question. I had to question, okay, whose side is she on? Because we there is some you know mystery you know to her past, and I thought there were some interesting moments with her character with her and the captain talking about sort of their place in the world and and how they fit in and and how she has adapted by being whoever she needs to be at that point uh whereas captain america is a very fixed you know you know what you get with him he doesn't lie he's very honest and so these characters that you know, their personality is very opposite, working together and going through this sort of journey of having to determine how do we know who we can trust, what can we, what needs to be revealed to, to get this problem resolved. And I was pleasantly surprised with the arc her character took within the film. Is it enough for you that it stands up to her, to a solo film? I, you know, I, I know that people have been, you know, asking for a solo film. I, it's I, been, I mean, it's been announced. Oh, is it yeah. been officially yeah. announced? Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's, I, I would be happy to see that. I mean, one of the, one of the trailers before the film was, you know, the Scarlett Johansson film, Lucy, which is again, okay. You know, Scarlett Johansson gets to be a badass and, and knock people around. And I think she's hit this point in her career where she can do that and draw in the audiences. I think, Marvel has shown they can come up with compelling storylines for any of these characters. So I would be all 
all behind that. And yeah, and also the you know, if we're going to talk about the other characters, what they did with the character of Falcon and, and Anthony Mackie in that role. It was this nice little tight team that came together to solve this issue. And it was, as I said, it wasn't so much a superhero movie. It was, you know, here's a guy, he's got a problem. He's got to pull his resources together. Who can he count on and trust and get the team together to fix the problem? In a way, th that description, I think, is fairly after the story. And it did remind me of films like Mission Impossible or, you know, kind of the Bourne mo movies. Yeah. And like you were talking about, Pete, how it has the different, um, it's, yes, they're within the superhero universe, but each one is kind of its own genre. And this is kind of the, more that political, you know, espionage thriller. And I think that uh, that definitely holds true for this film. And I, I really liked the way they brought in... Uh, Robert Redford to play uh, the character that he's playing that uh, really works well um, as this leader of S.H.I.E.L.D., but there's this um, kind of uh, homage that he's playing to uh, the characters that he played back in the 70s, like in uh, mm -hmm. Three Days of the Condor yes. and uh, All the President's Men, where he was in these films that had all sorts of political intrigue. I mean, we talked about the, you know, the Paranoia trilogy, and I think those films, Parallax View uh, and uh, the, you know, the other ones I just mentioned, all really fit well with the context of this film. And I love that they had Robert Redford kind of representing that shadiness of the government. It's like he's flipped and is on the other side now. And for me, that is an element that, uh, that I was really excited about and a character that I really was excited about. I'm glad you brought that up. I, you know, I think uh, that's one of the things I liked, uh, you know, as long as we're talking about the way this thing was kind of architected, Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely, uh, who wrote the, the uh, screenplay for The Winter Soldier, uh, one of the things that they said in a, a recent interview with the L.A. Times was, uh, you know, we didn't get the job because of, of our love of epic battles. We're good at making humans believable in a ridiculous situation. Uh, and and I, I really think that's true. You know, Andy, to your point, I really felt like it had this vibe. The Winter Soldier had the vibe of Condor, of the Paranoia trilogy, of these films, of these sort of grittier films of the 70s, um, you know, where we have this natural fear of the state. Uh, and I loved how sort of culturally we're coming back to that in in the stories that we're seeing and obviously there's a good reason for it uh, I, I think culturally there is a resonance with these types of stories but in order to play it off in a Captain America story I think that takes a, a, a special sort of skill um, that that I think these guys bring to to the screenplay and I, I wonder if you guys could comment on uh, on just in general the writing well just really quick before, you know, when you're talking about Redford, just one quick note, too, um, is I think it was a very smart move to bring him in for two reasons. One, because most of these movies can become overwrought with just the same tone as far as when you bring in the same actors that are, they don't really, Robert Redford is, comes from a different generation. Even, I mean, you're talking, it, it's just such a great cross, crossing over, Um of talent and and even acting, um, his his approach to to his acting is is so. I mean, you look at Butch Cassidy, the Sundance Kid. You look at uh, like Condor, all those things. His um, all the presidents, man. You look at uh, even like even in some of his other ones that he did, like Sneakers, and some of the later ones that were kind of his fun ones that he did. But he's he's his way, his style. You don't see a lot of that in 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 film anymore. He's just a different 
light and it's a breath of fresh air. But what was great about it is it brought some, it brought a groundedness to this film that made it fun because you go, wow, you know, he plays this guy at first that you go, can we trust him? He never plays really the bad guy. So we, we trust him. And then when he flips and you don't trust him, you're like, well, that was amazing because now, now who is he and why is he doing this? And he's not a guy. I mean, Robert Redford's a guy that he's he is typically playing in the movies I've seen. He he, he is the he is the guy that's sort of the not anti-hero, but he's the guy against like the government. Like you said, he's he's fighting against the thing that we're always you know we're all fighting for. Oh, go Robert Redford! But now he's that guy. But what makes it cool is you still root for him, and he makes it. He makes this movie more honest. A lot of the other superhero films you watch at the end, you find like that was really fun. But it wasn't grounded. And that's what made this movie a little different is Robert. I think Robert Redford put this movie in a totally different category and it made it more genuine. You know, when I ever he, he was on the screen, I was just I wanted to know more about S.H.I.E.L.D. I wanted to know about more about what what why was he doing what was going on and the depth of why it was happening. And he you know, it's kind of not the, the, the you know, when you're talking about the script. I, I don't know. I don't know if if someone else had played that is uh, I'm trying to think of another actor modern day that would have Ju- played Judy that role. Dench. There we go. Judy if Dench had played that. <laughs> I don't know if I would have bought. I don't know Uh-oh. if I would have would have not Judy Dench. I didn't who make else? your point well. <laughs> no, I'm thinking uh, who else would have played? Gosh, I'm thinking. I don't know. Maybe like a Jude Law, or maybe like Andy Sandberg. Else. Andy Sandberg. <laughs> well, anyway, any number of other people, they would have fallen into the same trap of it being this, uh, oh, now I'm the bad guy, and you don't really care for him as much still. You don't really care about him. You care about him sort of in a light, kind of flimsy, sort of like non-depth way. Well, I yeah, really Robert saw, Redford makes you take things seriously. You take it ser- Exactly. And so what happened is with the script, I don't know, I don't know if I would have really gone with the whole idea of why he was taking why he was trying to make everything equal. Let's take out a bunch of people so that we can make it better for everybody else. If somebody else would have said that, I would have gone, okay, you really are, you really want me to buy that? I don't know if I buy that. I don't know if you buy, why are you hurting all, you know, doesn't, that's not enough. That's a really interesting me. point. I wonder, uh, I, 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 I'm thinking, what do you guys think about that? Well, I, w- I was going to say, you know, because we'd start talking about the writing. I think Chad, is is right on because you look at the way this character is written and you have to cast someone like Robert Redford because it's it's not a villain like Loki who's just like ego and I'm evil and I'm going to take over the world and I'm a ridiculous caricature. It was something it's it's the villain who you can look at it and you can sort of step aside and say oh, I see the logic by what he's doing where it makes sense for him and it's not I've got evil purposes I think I'm doing the right thing, and it's at odds against what, you know, Nick Fury and Captain America stand for. But there's a logic and reason that is reasonable, that is not such an extreme fringe that he becomes, you know, a, a cartoon of, of of a villain that I'm just bad because I was born bad. It's there was He talks about a situation in his past that is very personal to him where, you know, Nick Fury went and did something, and he stepped outside the bounds of the law to— to get something done and the result was something positive and he took that and it's taken to an extreme but you can see how it makes sense logically for him and to me that is that is the more compelling villain because it's 
it's frightening because it's more rooted in this world where you can see what's going on. And to me, I, it was just, it was just brilliant writing at that point uh, of, of what was going on. The scene in the, what I called the, the Dharma initiative shield station, uh, which was, which I called the exposition, <laughs> ex, exposition bunker where it's like, Oh, we're going to have, we're going to have this just, dump of information. I wish there had been a better way to get all of that background <laughs> out, but it gave us what was going on, you know, this little this little twist and it, it just my brain exploded and I thought how interesting because you can see how something towards good can easily just be tweaked a couple degrees and become something that's very ominous. And to me that was the, the power in the writing of of that sort of plotting it out. How some specific scenes were written, as I said, you know, got some some issues. How can you get that across? You know, I went with it, but it was one of those threads as I pulled that at it. I said, okay, I can't pull too hard, or it's gonna it's gonna bother me too much. Because again, it they they do a great job of making people sound normal in ridiculous situations. Yes, we can't let go of the ridiculous situation part. Yeah. I, and I thought, right. I, you know, I'm with you. I mean, I this is one that I went with it. And I, I actually was on the record as really liking the first Captain America. I think I'm the guy who really liked the first Captain America uh, film. I loved what they did with it. And I thought this built on it really nicely and, and pivoted in, a, in a, a really elegant way to make it an even uh, – to, to do something that second movies often don't do, uh, but the Marvel films have done, which is actually give us more of a character to like – to love or to hate in a new way, uh, to to develop our relationship rather than just play off of it. What yeah, do you think of I that? Think Quote I, me. I th- yeah, <laughs> stamp. <laughs> I, I think changing, in a way, kind of changing the vibe of the genres for each of these films worked really well in the in the writers' favors as well. The first film, I mean, now it's really fresh in my mind, and actually, I like it more than I remembered I, I think it's just the third act that where it really falls flat for me but but it's really great up until that point but the first film it really does have this great vibe that feels kind of like an old school uh, war movie you know right. it feel and I think that's what uh, Joe Johnston and all the people involved were really trying to do is to make a movie that felt kind of like an old school uh, WWII war film go get them you know uh, you know, all that sort of uh, gung-ho military kick-ass vibe. And I think they did a really good job of that in the first one. And I really like how they shifted that. And I like how both of, both of them are political films in their respective times. The first one fits really well in that World War II era vibe of the government and what the government is trying to do. Stop the Nazi, Stop the Nazis and also stop Hydra, because it is a superhero movie. But this one, putting that government spin on the story where, okay, we have to tell another story about a man who's, you know, kind of leading the charge, leading leading the, the military, and it's not the army, it's S.H.I.E.L.D. this time, but how he is now um, dealing with how all the political machinations in the world have evolved and changed and how HYDRA has kind of infiltrated its way into all these things and changing that World War II vibe of a movie into more of that kind of that 70s political thriller which 
like you said, Pete, it very much of, is of the time right now, and we're probably getting pr- pretty soon calling it, you know, the the tens political thrillers because I I yeah. can see a lot more of these coming out. Uh, you know, I mean, we already had what was uh, the uh, the Stephen Knight one, Closed Circuit, that came out last yeah, exactly. year. Exactly. Uh, one one of the things I like so much about the <laughs> script is, uh, you know, again, is is just how uh, they bring in some of these new characters in a way that I think is really uh, is is fairly elegant. I loved the introduction of Anthony Mackie in the opening sequence, uh, yeah, or, or the yeah, opening sequence yeah. of Washington during the running, the on your left sequence, which I think is yeah. just fantastic. I haven't seen anything uh, about Anthony Mackie coming up in in other films, uh, but uh, gosh, I hope they bring him back. He was fantastic. I loved everything about his character, and I loved. I think the thing I love the most is that he's not even a superhero. He just has right. a really, really cool device that he uses to uh, fly around, and I just love that. Well, and they do that really well. I mean, even with uh, with uh, Scarlett Johansson's character. I mean, she's not right. a superhero either, really. Right. But right. she's right. also an Avenger. Yeah. Uh, same so what, thing I, with uh, with the uh, Arrow. What's his name? I totally miss it. Then how did he get the uniform? I miss that. I watched it. When did he get oh. the uniform? Well, he he was a paratrooper, right? And, and well, okay. he, originally he was a paratrooper, and then he was on this this special unit where they had these um, these highly advanced uh, backpacks, and oh. they there okay. was the last one that was available, and they went and stole it. I mean, so, okay. Steve, you just saw it today, right? I mean, I, it's been well, a while I saw, since saw, I saw it. I, no, I saw it last night, and I think they, they you know, because we it's get really the— it, it, Well, the, it, it all happens off off screen, as far as as far That's as I recall. Right. Because it okay. was like, you know, I remember he opens the folder, you know, Captain opens the folder, and he's like, I thought you were a pilot. He's like, I never said I was a pilot. And he's like, you wore that thing? And he's like, oh, it's at this, you know, there's, there's guards, and it's like this 12-foot, you know— or 12 inch you know steel door and and they're like yeah no problem we'll get it and then, then you know then we, they we, have it and they have it we don't need to see it because we know that based on what we saw in the you know our whole their initial mission onto the the ship to get the stuff at the beginning the whole mcguffin for the usb thing the two of them can take on you know dozens of guys no problem so it's like yeah whatever walk in the park we'll go get it and we, we've got it so which was mm, nice because okay. it, it, it it kept it moving along it was it was out there and then when they knock that guy off the the roof, it's like, oh, okay. You know what's interesting? <laughs> and boom, okay. that reveal was was just yeah. exactly. I I wonder, I wonder, you guys, and and this is this may be me thinking too much into this. Uh, we, this I, I think you're right. It kept the movie uh, pl- clipping along, and it made good on a promise that was delivered in the trailer. Right, like. Would they have needed more exposition uh, if we didn't have such a wonderful upfront marketing introduction of this character? I mean, we knew who he was. We knew he was coming. We knew what he was capable of long before the movie was released. We'd yeah. seen the finished visuals. Right, right. yes. Uh, so, I, you know, I, I've been thinking a lot about that, like the relationship between the trailer and the finished product. Like, I, I wonder if we wouldn't have had to, to have seen more of, uh, of his origin story if we hadn't had... The, what we had in the market. No, I think you know. Sometimes I sometimes I wish I didn't hadn't seen this hadn't seen the trailer because yeah. sometimes it just it goes back to a long long time ago. A friend of ours wa- walked into the theater to see Terminator Two, hadn't seen a single preview at all. 
Oh, and so was in complete suspense all the way gift. up to the point where they're where they're in the mall and he's like, you know, come with me if you want to live. And it's like, what? Arnold's the good guy? And it's like, because <laughs> that, that line was in all the trailers. And yeah. it's like, wow, to go in just completely blind to that. I think sometimes we, for our, our hunger to get little tastes of things, sometimes we cheat ourselves out of those those moments of those reveals that get sort of tossed out in the trailers of just, and it's just a few seconds of a guy with wings it's like to have that reveal without seeing that would have been i think just so much better well this just just came out uh, yeah. in an article this week yeah. related to uh man of steel the the second man of steel movie zack snyder said uh i have a photo of batman and superman standing together and he said it's i want so deeply to send this out to the world because it's fantastic but (laughs) i have hidden it because i know that would cheat them of the experience that i had seeing them standing together Uh, which i thought was really profound to me i mean i thought that was great thank you zach for keeping that in your desk (laughs) and related there's a picture of batman and superman in jack snyder's desk uh, <laughs> <laughs> TMZ go. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, all right. Oh let's talk, let's talk a little bit more about the uh, the direction of this film. Can we? Okay. Yeah, I I thought it was. Uh, I thought I I had no problem with it. I thought the action scenes were fun. That wasn't it wasn't too. It's a glowing glowing review. <laughs> I had no problem with it. No problems. No, I mean, I, I, some people, like, when I when the movie ended, I heard some people sitting around me going, oh, the action scenes were too all over the place. And I, it didn't bother me. Again, I don't really have a huge problem with shaky cam sorts of stuff. I didn't find it that shaky cam I didn't uh, style. But um, I, I really thought they did a, a very effective job directing the film. I, I, I always go in sort of, uh, I, and I don't know why I do this. I have a just sort of a natural skepticism of joint directors. Uh, and yet I'm always pleased with what happens. Yeah. Uh, what was the, who were the guys who did, uh, uh Spirit of Vengeance? Um, Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance. This was, uh, co-directors, uh, Mark Neville Dean and Brian Taylor. Uh, and hmm. Ghost Rider was one of the terrible fil- first films. And yet Spirit of Vengeance, I thought was fantastic. The action in that film was, was absolutely wonderful and uh, totally, totally different. And I think it's everything to do with the, what these, these two guys brought. But I was, I was, you know, similarly nervous. Um, I'm always nervous at a Wachowski movie. And I'm, I met with mixed results. Yeah. So I was nervous going into this one. Uh, hmm. and, yet, and yet I thought it was terrific. I loved the whole sequence. It's great that we get to see Nick Fury finally put in a situation where we see Nick Fury. Because I don't ever, I just, I just see Nick Fury with an eye patch yelling at everybody else while everybody else does everything. And now we get to see Nick Fury and what, because I, I really didn't know who Nick Fury was. I never read the comics with Nick Fury in it. So to me, he just seemed like a big jerk. And that's so funny because in the beginning of this, it's, I feel. I feel justified because Captain America thinks Nick Fury is a big jerk. And so I was like, cool, man. We both think the same thing. But Nick Fury then is put in a situation where Nick Fury has to do what Nick Fury does, which is I was like, what does he do? And he's got this cool car. And I was like, okay, that must be part of, like, who he is. And it was cool to see him try to have to deal with, like, stuff, you know, as who he is, you know. I, I just I didn't get him as a character. And now watching him have to deal like and get out of a situation in that action sequence was really well put together. It was raw. It was really 
uh, organic, I felt. You know, him trying to get out of that situation with his car in the beginning where they trapped him. And I was like, how are they going to get out of this? And it felt like a situation where, and I, I just have to say, I, I just heads up, I, I know the guy that does the storyboarding for um, these Marvel films. And it's, it's uh, a lot of the things that you see in those things where they, they put a situation, somebody, a character in a situation lately um, where it seems like, wow, this seems really organic how he's getting out of it. You know, it seems like he's utilizing different tools he has and it, you know, that that's a lot of it's due to my friend. He uh, that's just the way he 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 choreographs some of those scenes, and it's just amazing. I'm like, wow, that's great. Um, Rico is his name, and he just does a lot of that stuff. It's fantastic. But uh, I just thought I thought Nick Fury was fun to watch him. Although I thought him dying, um, I, I just I don't know. I, I I guess I wasn't too surprised that he came back. I don't know. Were you guys surprised he came back? <laughs> I wasn't surprised he came back. I also wasn't surprised that he died. I, and I think because of the way these Marvel films are getting laid out, you know eventually people are going to get start getting knocked off because they, they want to end their contracts. They, they're like, okay, I've had enough of these films. I need to go do more Snakes on a Plane or whatever. And I really... That was I, so low, th- man. That was super I, low. Uh, <laughs> okay, Star Wars. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, uh, he's dead. <laughs> but, but no, really, I, I, I really... It didn't surprise me. And I think that's the, the danger to these sorts of films is I don't... I, I'm not really surprised when someone dies because I kind of expect a contractual deal where I, I'm going to have to die at some point because I'm only going to do uh, X number mm. of these. Um, as opposed to something like Serenity, which it was a big surprise uh, oh. when, when um, yeah. what's his yeah. name died in that film because he was such a great character and you really believed that the filmmakers behind the story would would keep everybody alive. But when people started dying, it really it ups the stakes and it really makes the story stronger because you realize that nobody's safe. And I don't feel that in the Marvel films because of just the 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 girth of this universe well Well, for me it wasn't so much about raising the stakes or anything like that to me it was the story basically in this film we captain america sort of systematically starts losing his what he can hold on to he he doesn't fit into this time we've got that set up so first he loses nick fury then, you know, S.H.I.E.L.D. is is compromised. So the one person that he's got some sort of connection with, I mean, yes, there's some animosity back and forth, but, you know, that's Captain America. He's always wants to shoot straight. So we take Nick Fury away. Then the organization of S.H.I.E.L.D. goes away. And then we take his only best friend from so long ago and take that away from him. Everything has been taken away from Captain America at that point in film, and it just happened. Like, there goes the first one. There goes the second. Like, third, like, his world just collapsed and fell apart once he saw Bucky was this winter soldier and didn't recognize him. He now had nothing. And so, to me, it was really not so much of, oh, we're going to do this. It was, to me, there was a function in terms of the story of what it was doing to Captain America and his character arc that it, it was not so much just, oh, we're going to do this because we need Nick Fury out of the picture for a while. It wasn't a plot contrivance to me. It really served some purpose for the, sort of some emotional resonance with, with Captain America. Hmm, that's a good point. I never even thought of it like that. I think you have it nailed the reason why they did all those things because primarily, you know, it was the first one. He is thrust into this at the end of the first one. He's thrust into this weird new 
kind of world, you know, and then you kind of then don't really see, you know, what he's experiencing, you know, in, in the Avengers movie. I mean, that's kind of the continuation of it. And he's kind of like, well, we know Captain America really doesn't fit in this new time. And then it kind of, it's cool because that's where exactly where it picks up. You know, it's just like, okay, I still don't really fit here. And I'm this guy who really continues to want to be more than just this hero. I want to really live up to who I was when I said I wanted to join the army when I was a skinny kid. And we're right. When you take away all those things, it goes, it it helps us to see Chris Evans really uh, have this character be, is he Captain, is he Captain America? You know, is he, who is he without all these people? that I guess we're kind of like surrounding him a little bit, even though he really didn't have anything. And um, that's fun to watch. You're right. I think that's what made it fun to watch. It, it's, it's, it makes it more, you know, he's not in control ever. You're, he's always He's always given a decision, even all the way up to the very end of the film. Are, are you going to be a bad guy? Are you going to kind of cross the line a little to get what you want? Because that's what heroes do sometimes. They cross the line just a little bit because we sort of want them to a little bit. And we'll all cheer for him if he does. But at the very end, even when he's sitting there and you know, he's looking at he's looking at Bucky and he's just like, I'm not gonna fight you anymore. And it's just like, wow, he does he does exactly he does exactly what somewhere in our hearts we want him to do, which is to go, you know what, I can I could hurt you, but I don't want to do that. I've already saved everybody else, but now it's it doesn't mean anything for me unless my best friend is with me. And it's just like that's that's yeah. amazing. Like that was really cool. I think that's one of the interesting things that makes Captain America kind of uh, compelling is that he's he is the uh, the inner inner soldier, right? Now, even when he's broken and everything gets taken away, he still has that sense of Captain America's honor. Uh, right. And and that's what makes him a little bit different. Like we we have fun right now in this sort of current gestalt about seeing what happens when when you break. S- superheroes you know we 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 give ptsd to iron man we you know we we find ways to really hurt superheroes and see how they react and and captain america is 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 probably a testament to his sort of longevity and also what makes him a little bit awkward uh is, is that you know when you break him and he doesn't actually break is it as much fun um, and, and yet I, you know, I still right. find myself, um, you know, I, I like knowing it's that sort of aspirational hero. I like knowing that someone thought of this character who is always going to be that guy, that there is someone out there who wrote a character that won't be broken. Yeah. And yeah. And, 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 and even from the first movie, it's, it's, it's very apparent that that is exactly who he is. And it's great that he's that they're sticking with that with him. Well, and, and you know, we had this conversation about Man of Steel when Superman kills Zod. Mm-hmm. That that was an example of breaking a superhero that we formerly thought could not be broken. And oh, I think yeah. that's in contrast to this because Super Superman was arguably the other character that right. that stands in those shoes, and not anymore. That has been broken. Right. So Zach again. Yeah. Right. Got you. <laughs> that's okay. why. That's why we're going to steal that photo. Uh, Okay, so, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I know you you already brought up, uh, Steve, a a little bit sarcastically, I think, the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. play. Um, Does anybody watch the show? No, no, no. I wasn't sarcastic, sarcastic at all. I I mean, it's really, I, I, you know, because I started watching the show. I didn't get that far into it and then i heard after you know thor the dark world there was a little bit of a crossover and this and and to me it's it's 
really speaks to the power of this cinematic universe with things that go on in the theatrical released films carrying over and having consequences in the television series that it 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 really connects in those those worlds together we we know you know the character of agent colson you know from all the phase one films and all of that so to me it's a testament to the again the ultimate blueprint or plan that they have that they account for those things that the writers on that series have to be brought into the loop with the filmmakers of what's going on and what the repercussions can be and how they can sort of script that and plan around that so to me it's i mean it's a really complex mechanism and honestly no sarcasm at all and i'm trying to get caught up on hulu but unfortunately i've missed a whole bunch of episodes so i've got a I've got like the past three weeks that I can watch, so which is enough to sort of see what happened before and then the the aftermath. Well, of and honestly, America. those will be the three episodes that yeah. you need to see. And and this is where so I have two points on this. The first one is to you know to the point of the sort of saccharine approach to death and killing these char- important characters in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And we know yes that it will come, but we've also already been conditioned that important characters don't die on this show. And this is a great example or in this universe is a great example in agents of shield where you know we saw colson who was a beloved agent i mean i think we already had an affinity for his character uh even from just seeing him in blips leading up to the avengers but when he died in the avengers it was a great death um and it, it was a it was very melodramatic and it was a sword through the chest kind of a thing uh and then we have Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. where they bring him back due to the miracle of alien science, right? So that's that's great. We we now know that these character, important characters, you know, utility players even, uh, will be brought back at the whim of the writers. They'll figure that stuff out. And yet Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. then becomes hamstrung by the cinematic universe, right? Uh, we saw it leading up to Thor, where they had these this sort of sh- confusing kind of shadow uh, conspiracy leading up to the Asgardians, and then Thor comes out, and a whole bunch of big stuff happens on the show. So they had to just sort of, like, really... Uh, kind of hold on to the action until Thor. And then the same thing happens here. We lead up to what we knew was coming, what we knew was going to be sort of bookmarked in this movie, Captain America, which was the fall of S.H.I.E.L.D. And these three episodes on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. end up making a really interesting sort of what this show should have been all along kind of an experience uh, in terms of the action and the drama and the, and the, the intrigue that is, that is brought to the small screen. I really look forward to what they do expanding this universe on Netflix. Uh, and, and I think Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., while I don't believe it'll be long-lived, uh, I think it is a great testament to what can be done when you commit to these long-term multi-platform storylines. And, and not just and, and and to that point also the the smarts they have in constructing however it is that they're doing it but constructing the contracts with all the actors to get them to come in here and there even if it's just for like one or two scenes like having Gary Shandling come in 
for his little one scene as a senator, two scenes as, yes. as the as the senator for, that he played in Iron Man 2, having uh, Jenny Agutter come back in. You know, we had seen her, I think, back in The Avengers and having her pop up again um, just to, to kick some serious butt, which was fantastic to see. And just all these actors, whether it's, it's you know, from the first Captain America film like Toby Jones as, as Zola coming forward again, or, or having just these people popping in in just the smallest little roles, like some of the, the soldiers that helped, um, that helped Captain America out here and there and, and were popping up. I mean, I love that the way that they keep having these people uh, appear where it's, I mean, and this is, you know, something that I always thought was, would be great in these Marvel films is how you could have somebody who is a villain appear as just a random character passing by three films previously and then seeing how that character kind of develops to the point where they're actually a big character. And I I really enjoy that in these films. Yeah. Villains and heroes alike. I mean, yeah, like the, the fact that, that we get to see Bucky Barnes develop and have to look forward to uh, nine films with him as a character when we saw it, it's the, we knew you when kind of syndrome, you know, I, I, I love it. Makes... It, well, yeah, and, and it also just it, it builds this consistency to these worlds, the fact that, yes, we can trust that Gary Shandling will always play that senator every time he comes back right. into one of these films, if he comes back again. But, you know, it's uh, it's it's fun. I, I, I love that consistency. And the fact that they're doing it back and forth with the TV shows, with the, all these different films and worlds. I mean, not just these films, but Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm sure they're going to be working on that same consistency in Ant-Man, everything else. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a I think it's a pretty compelling model. It's smart. It's really smart. Okay. All right. How do we feel? Do we feel good? Let's should we talk about it. Are there any other in particular performances that you would like to talk about? Kobe Smulders, Frank Grillo, Maximiliano Hernandez? <laughs> <laughs> you know, no. his his character no. Jasper Sitwell is one of those that has you know, and there are a right. number of these characters, but Sitwell in particular has been a, a recurring character on Agents of Shield. And I found his uh role going back and forth between uh the Winter Soldier and Agents of Shield was one of the the uh anchor points of that consistency that you bring up andy i mean it's one of mm-hmm. it's funny even though he's just he, he's just sort of an agent he ends up being kind of a pivotal agent uh that that it it actually causes you to forget where you learned certain key points in the plot right right i i don't remember certain things that that i learned in agent that feel that that i learned in agents of shield that feel absolutely at home i i sh- totally believable in in captain america Toby Jones is goofy. <laughs> okay, I, I on a little side note, I just have to say, at that moment when Toby Jones is Doctor Zola is in the computer, I thought, wow, I am getting to see Transcendence right now for a good time. <laughs> I love that too, and it's, it's probably cool. more entertaining than the two hours that I would have spent over there. So okay, <laughs> and even here, it's still troublesome of how you pull this off, and it's it, it, it as I said, exposition delivered, served its purpose. I would have had two hours of that. I just needed seven minutes. That was all. That was enough. You know what's so funny about Toby Jones is I couldn't get 
like I so he, Toby Jones also did the voice of Dobby the house elf and uh, I, yeah. I I could not get that out of my head uh, I, I thought really I mean he could have been replaced in, in both of these films by Dobby the house elf and it would have been just as appropriate he was Dobby in this film I feel like he was just like ha 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 and he felt so it was what I, I started laughing when I saw him because he was so happy that he was in a computer he's like I don't have to pee again ha 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 I just, he was so <laughs> joyful. I was like, God, that sounds like a miserable life, but you seem like you're enjoying it. So, but uh, I just thought that was really fun seeing. He's a funny, I just, <laughs> it just added a whole other thing to the movie, just seeing him in there. He was just in there just to say, <laughs> like, you, I knew you'd come down here to turn all this equipment on, and now you've ruined it for yourself because I've sabotaged it. And that was just kind of fun. It just, he's just. <laughs> It just it was just a way to add him in there and make it I mean, you know, it continue with the you know, the the film, but it was just it was cool seeing him. I don't know. He was fun to watch because he's kinda like got that that crazy he's great crazy scientist, you know? He's just a did great they, crazy did they scientist. Say in the film, am I forgetting what how uh Shield put him into the computer and why they did? Well, I think it was obviously guy. USB. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was. I think. I think Black Widow said something about there was like in the. I mean, it, clearly he was like a prisoner of war. And then I thought she said there was something in the '60s or '70s about the Americans recruiting a lot of these German scientists. And then you know something about preserving his intelligence. I mean, again, it was one of those. We'll toss it off in a couple of lines. It makes. It sounds like it makes sense. So right. You go with it. And oh, you, right. just, you don't need to spend a lot of time on it. But, yeah, clearly you can easily transfer somebody's consciousness into, as he said, what, 200,000 miles or feet of magnetic <laughs> tape or something like that. Yeah. You kind of wonder. I mean, you know, they, they do set this up where, um, you know, Zola is kind of sets up that he's, you know, in a computer, he can kind of send himself anywhere. Although it's made a, a little bit less believable that it's on all that magnetic tape. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, 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 I'm holding out a little bit of hope just because of the sort of the glee I have watching him in a computer, <laughs> Dobby in the computer, <laughs> that maybe he sent himself out somewhere else and we'll see him again, even though he was blown to smithereens. I just thought yeah, there's, He's in it's the cloud funny. now. Yeah, yeah, he's in the cloud. It's the it's solar funny cloud. It's these, these like incredible technical advances in old time technology. It's just like I used an ironing board and this, and look at the spool of thread. What you can do, and I mean that computer system is just so old and everything. But they have these major advances in technology way in the past. Doesn't this is funny? Right. Just, yeah. Anyway, cool, cool. I liked him. He was fun. Anybody else stand out? Did you guys stand out for you uh, for you lot that you want to talk about? Was did they show at all? They just showed pictures of uh, what's his name. He was in. Uh, he was. He was. He's Iron Man's dad. Oh yeah. Showed, oh yeah. 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 Um, Howard Stark. Uh, Howard Stark. Yes. Howard. Yeah, there was a little bit. There was a. Yeah. There was a picture when they when they get into the bunker, like the founders of Shield and. You've got Howard Stark and you've got um, Peggy Carter and third one I can't remember who, but uh, yeah, and I don't. I, I'm trying to think if there was a flashback to or if he was in some of the sort of Captain's memories or something like that in the early days of Shield or something like that. I or might I have been. Help. It might have been in some of the the footage at the Captain's right. Yeah. No, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Now, what do you guys think of? Um... 
What do you guys think of Gary Sinise? <laughs> you know, his, his, his voice is very recognizable. <laughs> <laughs> or how about Robert Clotworthy? He had a good job in the Fury Car voice. He was the Fury Car Robert Clotworthy. Air conditioning is functioning normally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, I was I was I was expecting Jarvis's voice to be in the in the car to that would have been better. Nick, yeah. But yeah, oh well. Yeah, you guys didn't think Robert Clotworthy did a good job. No, I mean the the one the one character that I I have questions about, and again, it's one of those those threads that I don't want to pull on too hard. Is so you've got this this villain that's you know this pirate or whatever that's got the shield stuff at the beginning that they go on this mission, and he's I mean he's a really tough guy. He goes toe to toe with Captain America for a good amount of time and escapes, and then we see him later on on some like surveillance footage, or they've supposedly captured him. Uh, when Captain America is up there in the upper levels of, of S.H.I.E.L.D. talking with uh, Robert Redford, Alexander Pierce. He's like, oh, yeah, we've got him, and this is live. And then that character, who is apparently a you know, horrible villain, that, okay, they've got him, disappears, and then we don't really see anything until our sort of mid-credits Easter egg. So I, I, I don't know who this guy is. I feel like... Now you're telling me he's a really important character who's going to play some important role with with what's coming up, but I really don't know who he is, where he came from, and and I felt, you know, in the film he sort of got dropped off, and then they bring him back at the end, and I thought I I would have I guess wanted more background information, and maybe it's embedded there in the front when there's a lot of things happening, but that was the one thing I felt like, who is this guy? What side is he on? He's got whatever Loki staff. So, or what's going on? Who is he? What's he? What sides he playing? Who? What does he want? Oh, and I, oh, I was not. I was not tracking. I know who you're talking about now. This yeah, was, they, uh, this is when we. Uh, and then we pan up and we see the two kids in the in the glass uh, aquariums. So, uh, well, that was uh, Scarlet Witch and. Oh no no no! This was a different time. I'm still not that. tracking it's, with you. It's the guy who. Um, uh, what's his name? What was his name? Is it Rumlow? Is that him? No, but but Batroc, oh, Batroc yeah, the, uh, the yeah, uh, yeah, he's yeah, a mercenary. He's, yeah, he's the mercenary. Yeah, right, the that, mercenary. That fights Captain America, and they've got. I mean, it, which was a really nice sort of hand to hand piece, right. and then he shows up at the end, and he's. I mean, I, I mean, I think that's who it is because it seems like he's like part of Hydra, but not, and he's got his own purpose. But no, yeah, no, Pete, you're right. He's got the he's got the staff. Or the top part of the staff, and then yeah, he they walk someplace, and that's where yeah we see the twins that that he's got there, uh, and he's talking about you know there's whatever magical things are happening, or whatever. So I yeah I just felt like it was sort of this MacGuffin at the beginning, which with the whole USB I'll put that all over there for other conversation as far as that whole MacGuffin and what was going on. But I thought here's our here's our key villain. He's going to somehow tie into the Winter Soldier, and he just disappeared for the entire movie. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, isn't he uh isn't isn't he a uh, m- more of a Spider-Man villain? Uh, I I don't know. Well, Spider-Man villain, why? Well, I don't know. I'm just I I'm just sort of catching up on some notes and and it seems like an Ultimate Spider-Man he's all over the place um, oh, and okay. you know beaten up by Venom and it's just it ends up being a much more of a Spider-Man storyline and so I wonder if his oh, okay. was his was kind of a you know a nod um but I I don't know oh, I'm sure okay. there's somebody out there who knows Well I think much he was I, w- I, I don't do. think he was in Spider-Man until the cartoon series though I don't think he was in the you comics You don't think he was in the comics? Mm. Yeah. 
Oh, no, according to Wikipedia, he showed up in Tales of Suspense number 75 back in March 1966. I remember. Boom. That's on. That's in your face, Andy. It was Tales of Suspense. Was that a, was that a Spider-Man story? I have I no idea. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Clearly, we're out of our depth here. Uh, let's yeah. uh, let's, okay, wait, let's wrap this thing. up. Yeah, one, one last, last thing. Gary Shandling. That, that's the only character that threw me off. I was like, here we going, here we going. And then Gary Shandling? Yeah, yeah he was, and he was comes in Iron in Man 2. Yeah. He was in Spider-Man what? No, he's Iron in Iron Man 2. Oh, was he in Iron Man as well? Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's the one that a... tries to take all the Stark stuff and is yeah, he's just the Oh, maybe old... okay. They yeah. keep throwing him in there and Yeah. Every time I throw him in, I guess when they throw him in there, I'm just I just go, Wow, this is weird. It just seems like a yeah. pull from it's... the film. A little bit. All right, I mean, final let, yeah, go let's go around and do some final uh final comments and then we will um, uh, commence the ranking. Steve uh, I think, you know, as I said, there's there's a few little things. I mean, you can nitpick any film. But overall, I thoroughly enjoyed this. I'm looking forward to seeing it again. I, I do want to say I did not get a chance to see it in 3D. I did not get a chance to see it in Dolby Atmos because I waited a couple of weeks and none of the Atmos theaters had it. So that's one of my regrets is perhaps that Atmos experience to see what that would have brought to the film. But uh, definitely uh, highly recommend this one and thoroughly enjoyed it. Andrew, I I did see it in Atmos, <gasps> and uh, I I didn't mention that, but it, it I enjoyed it. It it, it sounded great. <laughs> there were sounds everywhere. The trailer for Atmos is really <laughs> really almost the best part because that's the one that really defines the Atmos for you more than the film itself. Because by the time the film's playing, I really couldn't pin the sound from my left top over my head speaker from the you know you know the one behind me but it sounded good um i i really enjoyed this film a lot more than i enjoyed the first one i feel that the first one kind of dies off in the third act but this one i i mean maybe it's just i enjoy the the 70s uh, uh conspiracy films a little more i really enjoyed that take on this story i feel like calling it the winter soldier uh was the wrong title for the film i feel like they could have come up with something better so that it wasn't so centered on the winter soldier because he definitely does, isn't a character that carries the film but i i did enjoy everything going on in the film i enjoyed the direction i enjoyed the story and i enjoyed this as a part of the marvel universe and uh looking forward to the next one and chad Captain America, I thought this was probably this my second most favorite film of the of all the Marvel films right now. As far as you know, I think Iron Man one was my favorite so far. Still, I really like this one a lot, and so many different reasons. I thought there were so many different at, at levels that were added into it. I like again Robert Redford being in there really grounded it, and it, it, you know you it's really again super difficult to push a movie with the way that they do these movies and. Because there's just usually so much that you have to believe, and as a as a viewer, you want to believe it to get into it. But at the end, you're not left with much because if there's you're like, okay, I'll kind of go with this and I'll go with that. I thought this movie had so much, it, it, the, the action, the characters that, that you want to see, you know, that come into the into interview, like you know, with um, uh, with Anthony Mackie is the is the Falcon. It adds so much. There's so many layers to it. It's 
the action is like I think what Andy said. Like some people didn't like that. I love the action. I thought it, it made sense to me. Um, and then on overall, I think that um, you know, yeah, you're right. The first film didn't make it. You know, an amazing. You know, the first film wasn't amazing. This second film, I think it's worth the two hours. It's worth watching it, and it adds so much to this universe that they're creating, and they add so much to Chris Evans' character, Captain America. I think it just. I think if you're thinking of going to see it, even if you hadn't seen the first one, I think you'll love this one. I think it's great. Uh, you know, I concur, and I. I think this is one of those films that allows me to comfortably pull the hood down over my eyes for all of the um, all of the nitpickery. And I love doing the nitpickery too. But this one just allows me to to sort of let it go uh, in a way that I, I really enjoy the action. I enjoy the way they they. I, I think really, you know, one of the things we didn't talk about uh, is the the way they use the shield as a character. I think the shield, this iconic element of the Captain America lore uh, became, um, you know, much more of an identity piece and had much more sort of movement to it. The, the way he interacted with it in a in a way that was much more active and uh, personal, and I I uh, I thought that was fantastic. Um, uh, in in general, I think I you know I appreciate what the Russo brothers and Marcus and McFeely did uh, to to bring the story to light, and I love the way it generally fits and propels the cinematic universe. I think they at a, a real crossroads with the fall of shield um and and i'm looking forward to seeing that um you know continue to pay off uh on the small screen and in uh, age of ultron so that's that's what i think and now i think we should rank it i mm. think we should I, I, it's a shame that tommy's not here to sing our song i know that makes me so sad uh, I may have to insert it from one there of the prior episodes. Head on over to uh, flickchart.com, everybody. Flickchart is uh, where we do our stack okay. rankings, and our user account is, uh, okay, what is it? TNR, TNR Film Board. TNR Film Board. Flickchart.com slash TNR Film Board. That's where you can keep up with all the movies we have talked about on this show. Uh, and, of course, if you want to see the uh, the longer list of the regular Next Reel shows, you can head over to Flickchart.com slash The Next Reel. So we've got two accounts over there. That's how much we love uh, the Flickchart guys. Absolutely. All right. All right. Ready? Ready. Captain America. Here we go. Captain America, the Winter Soldier or Divergent. <laughs> Wait a minute. Or, uh, Captain America. Captain America. Captain America. Yeah. Yeah. Captain I was America. waiting. I felt like you guys like, really should speak faster. I know. <laughs> I was like Captain America or the puppet show. <laughs> uh, I mean, Captain America. Ooh. Captain America or The Hobbit, The Desolation of Smaug. Captain I would, America. Captain I would America. do Smaug because the dragon. Nope. Captain America. Captain. Because Not of the that. dragon? That's uh, the only reason? No. I mean, I enjoy, I enjoy the movie quite a bit, too. Did you I, have to see it? I'll watch. I'll watch the Desolation of Smaug more than I will watch Captain America: The Winter Soldier. Oh, see, I don't think that's true. No, I, no, I think that's true for me. For no, sure. I don't think no, it's no. even true for you. <laughs> you're, you're, you're lying. No, it's not true for me. I'm going to go with Captain America here. All right, America, because I haven't seen that one. Captain America or World War Z? World Ooh. War Z. Yeah, I would do World War Z. Yes. yes. I would love to see Captain America in a zombie oh, apocalypse. Yes. That'd be great. Uh, <laughs> That's phase four. Phase four of Marvel. Oh, my goodness. Okay, there we are. Number six on Flick Chart. Hey, crack the six, top ten. Six out of 21. There All you right. go. 
There you go. It's it didn't you know sometimes flickchart has these weird things where it didn't let me rank it against number number four and five, which is Looper and side effects. Yeah. Yeah. I probably would have put Captain America above uh, at least side effects. Yeah. Yeah, I would. Yeah. I, I would too. Looper is tough though. I like Looper. Looper's hmm. fun. Yeah, Looper is fun. I'm gonna I'm gonna just re-rank eyebrows, side effects so that it people. ends up. Uh, <laughs> It ends up below Captain America. Okay. Yeah, right. Andy's it. manipulating the vote. Pay, please pay I have attention. To. No, I, I have think to. we're all in consensus it's, on that. It's yeah, ironic. We, we all agreed. I okay. So we agreed, but I just think it's ironic that we're talking about the uh, NSA conspiracyist film, The Winter Soldier, and you're manipulating the vote. <laughs> <laughs> it is a bit uh, like uh... <laughs> just a touch on the nose. Hey, uh, thanks everybody for hanging out and listening to us jaw about this movie. And thank you, Chad Stoops. Thank you for having me again. I love this. It's awesome. You guys are awesome. Oh, you're you're awesome, Chad. And Steve <laughs> Sarmento, thank you for being uh, awesome as well. Oh, it's always a pleasure hanging out with you guys. Andy, yeah. you know you. Uh, pretty much, I, I get my fill of you. <laughs> yeah. uh, here we are again you and me <laughs> hey uh this is uh this was uh super fun deeply miss our our fallen comrades for the week tommy handsome and mike evans uh hopefully they'll be back next month uh with another exciting episode of the next reels film board see you next time everybody thank you Here on the film board, we have covered quite a variety of great page-to-screen adaptations over the years, from superheroes like Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight Rises, based on stories like Nightfall and The Dark Knight Returns, to horror and sci-fi like Max Brooks's World War Z and Hiroshi Sakazuraka's All You Need Is Kill, which became one of our favorites, Edge of Tomorrow, with Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt. And who could forget Andy Weir's stranded astronaut adventure, The Martian, or Dave Eggers' tech thriller, The Circle? Supposedly so much better than the movie. We've also explored Stephen King epics like The Dark Tower and It, biopics like Damien Chazelle's First Man, and sweeping sagas like Denis Villeneuve's take on Frank Herbert's Dune. And don't forget Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon, based on David Grant's nonfiction book about the 1920s murders of the Osage Nation. I just finished the book, and it's fantastic. It's always fascinating to look at the source material, and we often do as the book lovers we are. For those of you out there who love to do the same, head to thenextreel.com slash originals to find all of our past episodes and dive deeper into these adapted stories. And it's not just stories. We've included things like the video games Uncharted and Detective Pikachu. That's right. TheNextReel.com slash originals is your one-stop shop for in-depth looks at the sources for cinematic adaptations that we have discussed. Every purchase you make supports the film board and The Next Reel's family of shows. So what are you waiting for? Head to TheNextReel.com slash originals and get your next read today. (laughs) 